You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, everyone. What a great morning we're having. So glad to be here celebrating with y'all and... Yeah, I just kind of always feel bad interrupting everyone's conversations, but uh, we've uh, we've got another good part of the, of the the morning. We're going to get to hear from God's word as we continue our series in Colossians chapter three. And so uh, Esther is going to actually read today's passage for us. So Esther, come on up. And if y'all will just uh, stand for the reading of God's word. Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another among, uh, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father through him. This is the word of God. Well, uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake, and uh, I'm so glad that you're joining us this morning. Uh, I grew up in the church. I'm 43 years old. I know I look a lot younger than that, but uh, you know, the uh, 43 years old, and uh, my dad's a pastor. So, like, I've, I've, I've just ever since I was born, I've been part of a church. And one of the things that that means is that as a result of being the community of the church, I have had the pleasure of being in relationships with some of the most compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient people. I just incredible people. I think about like Tom and Mary in our church, right? Or uh, Jeff and Suzanne, or Caroline and Katie, like just these incredible, beautiful people. I could keep going on and on. People in our church that are just, just so awesome. But on the flip side, as a result of being in church for over 43 years, I have also felt the pain of being around some incredibly judgmental and arrogant and selfish and mean, impatient people. And, uh, you know, I, I just think about people like, no, just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> well, that would be so mean. I can't do that. The, uh, but, yeah, none of them are here. Yeah, so. But in all seriousness, like, I've felt that pain. And if you've been around the church for very long, this church or any church, chances are you, you felt the pain. You felt the offense. Perhaps even you, you've really been hurt by people like that that are in the church. And if that's the case, then let me just say, I, I am 
man, I'm so sorry. I know that pain, and my heart breaks for you, for anyone to, to feel that from the church. It shouldn't be that way, right? I mean, when we think about the church, like I just, you know, I wish the church didn't have people in it who acted judgmentally or unkindly or were unforgiving or were impatient, right? I mean, that, that would be great if there was no one like that in the church, but there are in this church, in all churches, and you know why? Because the church is full of people like you and people like me. Like I read this list in Colossians chapter 3, and, it, and it, it's this list of virtues, right? Like, put, you know, clothe yourself with this compassion and with this kindness, with humility, with gentleness, patience. And I read that and I think, oh man, I have such much, so much more room to grow in how I treat people. Like I can be so apathetic at times instead of compassionate. I can be so self-centered instead of humble. I can be so impatient. Camp and Enoch are looking at each other. Yeah, they know. I can be so impatient. I know that. I hate that about me. But this is the thing is that we're all that way to some extent, aren't we? See, the truth is that within the church, we're the church, right? The people are the church, not the institution, not the building, but within the church, us, what we find is that there are people all along this, this, you know, this, this sense of like, uh, maturity where people from uh, being immature and unloving to being mature and loving and all these places in between, that there is various levels of maturity represented in every church family. And in a sense, you've got like some that are on the pre-K level. They're just getting started, right? God bless them, but you have a lot of room to grow in love. (laughs) And then you have some that are in like the PhD level, like they're doctors of love. They are just the most loving people that you know. And it's like, there's the incredible. And then there's the rest of us, right? Somewhere in that scale in between that. And that's, friends, that's the way the church is. That's the way that it's always been since the very birth of the church. 2,000 years ago. That's why the Apostle Paul has to write to the church in Colossae to tell them to clothe themselves in these things, right? In compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. See, he wouldn't have to say that if they were already doing that. And he wouldn't have to tell them to bear with one another (laughs) and forgive one another if they were already loving each other so well. Uh, (laughs) See, that church, just like every church, was full of imperfect people in various stages of learning how to love like Jesus. And friends, that's the way it's supposed to be. Like, again, I, I wish that the church only included people who excelled in loving each other like Jesus loves us. It would certainly be a church, a place with a great reputation. But it would also be a very exclusive club. And I don't know if I would be in it. Would any of us? See, God has designed the church 
not to be this exclusive club of those who have already learned to love like Jesus. And God has designed the church to actually be a community that is being renewed together in the image of Jesus. That we as a church, to steal John Mark Comer's line, are a school of love. We're a school of love where together we learn how to and we help each other grow into the type of people who love like Jesus does, people who relate to each other with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, people who really do bear with one another and forgive each other's grievances just as, the, as Jesus has forgiven us. We are a school of love being renewed together to help each other become people who treat each other like Jesus treats us. Don't you want to become that kind of person? Don't you want to become a a more compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient person who's able to forgive and who really loves just all of those words or descriptions of ways to love people. Just, and so that's why Paul says, this is all bound together with love. Like this is, this is what love looks like. Don't you want to become a more loving person? Yeah, I do. I'm sure we all do, but uh, how? How do we become that kind of person? How, how do we as a church help each other become those kind of people? Like practically, how do you clothe yourselves with these virtues, as Paul says? Clothe yourselves? Like as if it was that easy, right? Like we could just walk into our virtue closet and decide that we're going to put on, you know, our, our genes of gentleness today and like the, the, the cardigan of kindness. I worked hard on that one. And, uh, you know, the hat of humility. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, right? I just can put on these clothes. And that, that, would, be, that would be simple. That would be easy. But Paul, like, what are you talking about? Clothe yourselves. How do we clothe ourselves with these virtues? How do we become the type of people who love people like Jesus does? Well, friends, uh, today's passage tells us how. Tells us how. See, uh, you could say that in this passage, we have the school of love's lesson plan. Now, I want you to know, I know that's cheesy. And I ran this by Krista, and she told me it was cheesy. But you know what? I am sticking with it. I am, because I think it's helpful. Because what you have in this passage, if, you, if you'll hear me out, what you have in this passage is the Apostle Paul gives to the church at Colossae, but through not, it's not just applicable to them. It's, it's to all churches. He gives them this lesson plan in it. He's going to tell them what they need to know. And then he's going to give them an assignment. And then he's going to turn that assignment into a group project. Let me show you what I mean. First thing he does, okay, is that he tells them and tells us what we need to know if we're going to become type of people that loves people like Jesus does. Here's what he tells us we need to know. It's actually found right there at the beginning of verse 12. See, what he tells them is who they are. And what we need to know is who we are. Look at it. How does he begin? Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. See, friends, that's identity language, isn't it? Who are you? See, Paul, remember, is writing to a group of believers 
in Colossae that he has never met. So he, he's, he is speaking here, not of just a sense of like only true for them, but of this universal principle that's true for everyone, true for them, true for you, true for me, true for us. If you have been reconciled to God through faith in Christ, you're united with Christ, then this is who you are. You are part of God's chosen people. Hear that? Chosen, like wanted. Like not part of this family on accident. You didn't squeeze your way in. You didn't wriggle your way in. God's not like, well, what are you doing here? Chosen, wanted by God, holy. In this context, holy means set apart or even set apart for a significant purpose. You have a meaning, a God-given meaning. You are set apart and you are dearly loved. You are dearly loved. Franklin, you are dearly loved. Blake, you are dearly loved. Alice, you are dearly loved. We are all, we are dearly loved by God. God's beloved. That's who you are. Friends, do you know that that's who you are? See, it's so important for us to know that that's who we are in Christ for a ton of reasons, way too many that I have time to get into today. But let me give you one in context of this lesson about how to become a person who loves like Jesus loves. We need to know who we are because, you know, you've heard the old adage, hurt people hurt people. That's generally true, isn't it? You know what else is true? Loved people love people. That is generally true. That when you know that you're loved, then you are much more able to turn and love others. That when you know that you are God's chosen, that he wanted you and you're set apart for a reason and you are dearly loved, then that enables you to love others. Friends, this is who you are. Paul begins this lesson in the school of love. He says, you got to know this first. Before I tell you to clothe yourselves with these things, these virtues of how you love people like Jesus loved, first you need to know who you are, that you are dearly loved. And then I would take this lesson a step further. This is the part two of the lesson, if you will. Because Paul also is implying here that you also need to know why that's who you are. And y'all need to hear this. The reason why you are holy and dearly loved is not because you are so compassionate and so kind and so humble and so gentle, so forgiving. You know, it's not like God looks at you and says, oh man, whew, they're nailing this thing. I want, I want her on my team. I want him on my team. They got this thing down. I choose them. No, no, no. God looks at us and he sees he sees us not doing those things. And he loves us anyways. I mean, Jesus, we're telling, thinking about Matthew 9, he, he goes to the crowds, he sees all these people, and, and his heart breaks for them. What's it say there? That, that he sees them as uh, harassed and helpless, 
like sheep without a shepherd. And what's he do? He has compassion on them. See, that's, that's how God views us. Jesus sees us not being compassionate, not being kind, not treating each other with this love that God intended for us to have for one another. And he, he doesn't condemn us. He has compassion on us. And he's kind to us. This word kind in this passage speaks of grace, gracious mercy, gracious kindness. We didn't earn it. He's kind to us. Going our own way, what's Jesus do? He, though being equal with God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, right? Think Philippians 2. But instead, he did what? He humbled himself. He came as a servant. He became even obedient to death, death on a cross. See, Jesus is compassionate to us. Jesus is kind to us. Jesus is humble towards us. Jesus, gentle and patient with us. As we continue to still struggle and fail to love each other in this way, he's gentle, patient with us. He bears our sins. And he forgives us. Why, friends, why are you holy and dearly loved by God? Not because we earned it, but because this is how Jesus has loved us. We have been loved by God compassionately, and kindly, humbly, gently, patiently. God has forgiven us, and God has loved us. You are dearly loved by God to an extent that we will spend eternity wrapping our minds around. Paul says you need to know that. That's the first lesson. Know who you are. Know why that's who you are. Know how you've been loved by Jesus. Okay, got lesson one? Well, we're in process, right? But that's, that's the lesson. We need to continue to grow in our understanding of that. And so Paul, Professor Paul, if you will, gives us, I know, so cheesy. I'll move away from it. I'm sorry, babe. Um, Paul gives us an assignment. He gives us an assignment. And the assignment is found in verse 15. Let me read it for us. The assignment has two parts, just like the, the lesson. They're both related. They're both found in verse 15. The first part of it is right here. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the peace of Christ, or the fact that Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter 2, has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility that exists between us and God and us and one another, that he has gotten rid of it through the cross, and now he has made us able to be reconciled to God and to one another, that he has brought us peace. Let that peace rule in our hearts. That idea of rule, if you think, I uh, was reading one Greek lexicon this week, and uh, it was saying that this rule is, it could be uh, better translated or more accurately translated as, uh, let it be the decisive factor. 
the decisive factor, the decisive factor in how you treat others in context. Let how let what Jesus has done for us, the peace that he's brought us, let that be the thing that determines, if you will, how you treat others. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since it's members of one body. One body. Whose body? The body of Christ. He's talking to the church. As members of one body, we were called to peace. So what's part one of the assignment? Well, a little more broadly speaking, it's this. It's to let what Christ has done for us determine how we treat others. Let what Christ has done for us determine how we treat others. And so it's to let the peace of Christ determine how we treat others, that we don't let our politics divide us, our race, our gender, our you know, economic standing divide us. Why? Because we don't treat each other based on the world's divisions. We treat each other based on the peace that Christ has brought us. And so we say, okay, no, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what unites us more than anything else that divides us. We let the peace of Christ Rule in our hearts as we're members of one body that we're called to peace. Yes, but also you could say that we should also let the compassion of Christ rule in our hearts. Since we are members of one body, they're called to compassion. Or we, we could say we, are, we should let the kindness of Christ rule in our hearts. Since we're members of one body, we're called to kindness. And you on and on and on. It's the way we let the way that Christ has treated us determine how we treat one another. Paul uh, is teaching us this lesson, but he, we know where he learned this lesson. He learned this lesson from the master teacher, Jesus himself. And it's Jesus who says in John 13, verse 34, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So that's the first part of the assignment. We are to let how Christ has treated us determine how we treat one another. Part two of this lesson is summed up in three words. And be thankful. And be thankful. Now, this part of the assignment fits great with Thanksgiving just being right around the corner. But it's funny because it, it doesn't actually seem to fit real well in the flow of this passage, right? It, it's just like tacked on as if, you know, when you're reading straight through, it, it feels kind of thrown in. And you think, oh, is this just kind of a flippant statement that Paul just adds? But it's, you know, it's not, friends. See, Paul knows that if we're going to let how Christ has loved us determine how we relate to one another, then we need to remain full of gratitude for how he has loved us. That we need to rejoice in it. We need to remain thankful, not to take it for granted, not to grow accustomed to it, but to continue to be amazed by how Jesus has loved you. You ever have the thought, like you, you sin, you, you know, I yell at my kids, so bad, and uh, get impatient, and I'm thinking, God, why do you love me? How is it that you love me? Why, look, it's amazing that I am united to you. It's amazing that you've forgiven me of my sins. I don't deserve it. It's just incredible to me. You ever have those kind of moments? And I go and tell my kids, God, I'm so sorry that I yelled at you. God the Father is nothing like that. 
And I, and I really didn't image him well and how I treated you. I'm so sorry. Can you believe that God would die for me? <laughs> I can hardly believe it myself. This is amazing. He's forgiven me, and I ask that you would forgive me too. This is us remaining thankful. We've got to remain thankful. We can't grow weary of the fact of the amazing fact, of the hardly believable fact that God has loved you to this degree that Christ died for us as we remain thankful for what he's done for us. Friends, that helps us let the, the way Jesus has treated us rule in our hearts so that we will treat others accordingly. See, this, uh, this assignment is really powerful. If you're in a midtown community or small groups that meet throughout the week, right? If you're in a midtown community, there's someone in that group, you know, that is just hard to love for you, at least for, for whatever reason. They, they, you know, they show up late, they're inconsistent, or they, you know, they talk with their mouth full of food, or they're just abrasive or rude, or, you know, whatever it might be. You know, you feel like you got a legitimate reason. This person is hard to love. What do you do with that? Well, friends, when you're letting how Jesus has treated you rule in your hearts, determine how you treat others, when you are consciously thankful for how Jesus has treated you, and you're so much more aided to, to be able to love them. When you think, okay, God, I, this person's hard for me to love, but I was your enemy. Uh, this person's hard for me to have compassion on God, but oh man, you had compassion on me when I was harassed and helpless, when I was going my own way. God, it's hard for me to be kind to this person, but oh, you were, you've been so kind to me when I did not deserve it. Thank you, God. Thank you for how you love me. Are you, are you not in that point of time much more willing and able to love that person? 100% yes. Think about someone who has wronged you. You're in an MC. Again, you're in that. I talk about MCs because this is where we really have like the most close knit uh, relationships with people in our church that you really know, that know you, you spend time with them regularly. And so you're in your MC with these people, and someone actually does something that, that, that hurts you. Like they're, they do something that really wrongs you, that you ha literally have a grievance against them. And that word that Paul uses in verse 12, the, the grievance against you, or 13, is, is, is a word that describes an actual offense. Not like, you know, you're being petty, but like someone has really done something wrong. And so someone does that in your MC and you're hurt. What do you do? If you're like me, then I'll tell you, here's what I'm tempted to do. I'm tempted to do one of three things or maybe all three of them. One, I, I'm tempted to talk bad about them. Can you believe that they did? Second, I, I'm tempted to try to get even. I'll show you. Third, I'm just tempted to leave. Leave that relationship. Maybe leave that whole community. I don't want to be around them. I get that. People wrong me. I got this inner dialogue that's going on. This is what I want to say to them, right? You start thinking about all the things you'd like to do. But what if the dialogue changes? And what if instead of this inner dialogue, you're telling them off and setting them right and telling them, yeah, yeah. 
you're thinking, man, when I have done the same thing to God a hundred times, a thousand times. Oh, man. And thank you that whenever I have done wrong, you have put up with me. You've borne with me. And more than that, you've, you've forgiven me. And you have loved me. You've had compassion on me. You've been kind to me. You've been patient with me. This is how you've treated me. When you are aware of that, are you not so much more willing and able to then extend that to this person who's wronged you? To forgive them as Christ has forgiven you, as Paul would say here? Yeah. It's a powerful assignment. The problem is, if you're like me, we hate doing assignments. <laughs> we forget to do them or we fail to do them. And we, we just, you know, it's, it's not what we're thinking about. Our mind doesn't go to these places whenever we're offended or whenever we're around someone who's just bothering us or whatever. It's not like, I wish it was true. And I think that there's a place of maturity in the faith when that does become much more of the reflexive response to people like that. I just haven't quite gotten there. Maybe you have, but probably most of us haven't as well. So what do we do when we have a hard time actually doing the assignment? Well, you know what we do? <laughs> we listen to Paul because what Paul says is, hey, this assignment is so good, so powerful, but you need help. And so I'm going to make it a group project. I'm going to make it a group project. Look at what he says in verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you, or that's plural. So if Paul was speaking Texan, as everyone should, let the message of Christ dwell among y'all richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. See, Paul knows that we need help. We need help to let how Jesus has treated us rule in our hearts, and we need help remaining thankful. And so he says, help each other. Help each other. Keep the message of Christ front and center in your lives, in your mind, in your heart, to where the message of Christ, quote, dwells among you richly. And that phrase, dwells among you richly, means to let the message of who Jesus is and what he has done, how he's treated us, let that take up a prominent and permanent residence among us. Like to where we talk about Jesus regularly with one another. Who he is, what he's teaching us, what he's done for us, how he's treated us. That we teach one another. Not just me to y'all, but all of us to one another. That we're talking about Jesus, teaching each other about Jesus, telling each other what Jesus is teaching us and pointing one another to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. That we admonish and then that we admonish one another where we're not living in line with how Jesus has treated us. We, we point that out to one another with compassion, yeah. And with kindness, yeah. With humility and gentleness and patience, yeah, but we admonish one another saying, hey, let's treat each other like Jesus has treated us. To help each other remain mindful and thankful for how Jesus has treated us. And we also 
we gather. We gather like we are doing this morning to sing psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit with gratitude in our hearts. That we would regularly sing over each other to help each other remember, this is who God is. Let us sing, sing, sing. Make music with the heavens because God is awesome. Look what he's done. Look who he is. Look how he's treated us. We are reminded in doing this, we are helping the message of Christ dwell richly among us so that then we are set up to be able to let how Christ has treated us rule in our hearts so that we'll treat others and we will remain thankful as we rejoice together and as we teach and homage and sing together. We need each other. That's the big idea here is that we need the church. We need each other to help each other love like Jesus. We need each other to help each other let the love of Jesus rule in our hearts and remain thankful for that's what will help us. That's what will enable us. That's what will cause us to become willing to love others like he's loved us. See, uh, to borrow from another passage, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15. And so we are to abide in Christ. Paul says, we need help from one another to do that. To set our minds on the message of Christ, that, that, that the message of Christ and that who Christ is and how he's treated us would dwell in richly among us and rule in our own hearts. How do we abide? How do we continue to stay reconnected and, re- and remain mindful of how he's treated us? It's a group project, friends. We need to help each other. We need to help each other. Oh, that's, this is why I love our church so much. Like, I, and I'm, not, I'm not speaking as your pastor, though it's, this is true, but I'm speaking as a, as a follower of Jesus that needs to learn how to love people well. well. I'm thankful for y'all because y'all are helping me become a more loving person. God knows I need it. <laughs> I think about like the MC that Chris and I just joined this fall and we've had to miss some because of, you know, life, but our times there, we've really enjoyed getting to know the people there, hearing from Jeff, hearing from Jennifer Carson, hearing from Andy Kay about how they're seeking to walk with Jesus and put practice away with Jesus. These conversations, they help keep Jesus dwelling richly among me and my heart and us as a community. I'm thankful for that. I think about my huddle on Friday mornings. I gather with Matt and Barry and Alex. These guys, man, they are such a blessing to me. And often they admonish me. It doesn't sound like you're really loving Crystal real well. Servant's attitude. Jake, sounds like you need to have that conversation with Camp and Enoch. Because those guys are just, just trouble all the time. No, just, just kidding. Here's a, way to, here's a way to point them to Jesus. Remember how Jesus has served you. Have a sermon. Like those kind of conversations. Gosh, that, that helps me so much. Learn to love like Jesus. 
think about gathering with y'all Sunday after Sunday to hear you raise your voices to sing over one another these hymns and psalms and spiritual songs that remind me of who Jesus is and how he has loved me and how he loves us. And then to take communion together. Remember Jesus' death on our behalf. Man, y'all help the message of Christ dwell within me richly. Y'all help the peace of Christ, the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ, kindness of Christ rule in my heart so that I will treat others that way. Y'all help me. Thank you. Because we need each other. We need each other to help each other love like Jesus. This is when I give the uh, plug for the, you know, Midtown communities. You see it coming a million miles away, but I, I do it anyways. Friends, if you're not in a community with people that you're seeking to follow Jesus with, people that when you read these things that Paul says to clothe yourself in, you're like, I don't really have anyone in my life that I'm like <laughs> having to grow in to be able to show compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility and patience with. Like, let that be a, a sign to you. Like, man, you're missing something about the Christian life because the Christian life is about growing to be like Jesus, growing to become a person of love. And you can't do that alone. We need a school of love to help us grow as people of love. You need a community. You need each other to become like Christ. So I really encourage you to join a Midtown community. We got many, we got a bunch, different nights of the week. Love to help you get connected. On your QR code, there's a place to say, I want to, interested in a midtown community check that we'll we'll get in touch with you we'll try to find the right one for you take that step it will help you become a person of love we need each other and those people in that group whether they know it or not they need you to help them grow as a person of love as well friends you're dearly loved you're dearly loved by god it's who you are Therefore, clothe yourselves with the love of Christ, compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility and patience. Friends, bear with one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Find all that together with love. That's what it is. It's all ways to love. In light of who you are, that you're loved, love one another. going to need help. So let's help each other do that. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven. Mm-hmm.